My name's Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 117 of Cinepunks. I'm sorry, <laughs> Chinepunks. Chinepunks. <laughs> Chinepunks. That's like welcome the Italian to, Welcome to Chinepunks. Hey, hey, Mario Brothers, hey. What's I up, guess man? I, I feel like there should be like some version of it that like is like an I. Shinapuni is like the <laughs> multiples, you know? You are either a Shinapunks or you are the Shinapuni. Yeah, that's it. That's, I think that's <laughs> it. This sounds very, uh, very continental. I like yeah, when you I'm, talk like like Super Mario. Oh, it's it's terrible. I'm sure I'm offending some somebody's Somebody. like sitting there being like, Somebody "Up there, you misrespect me of my Italian ancestry." <laughs> uh, we apologize to Italians, yeah, uh, I feel but bad. we're talking about some movies that may be pertinent to your cultural identity. It's possible. On so Chinapos. we, I was I was y'all y'all. I was unbelievably floored when Josh suggested suggested that we cover some giallo films uh, as you know josh has a for the regular listeners long time listeners know that josh has not the fondest feelings about exploitation films is that fair I, to say i have a very strong aversion to exploitation films in general i have a hard time with uh, a lot of uh cruelty and i have a hard time with a lot of like you know just uh, it just it's not a thing that I genuinely lean into. I mean, that I, said, okay, I, I I'm sure willing, there's some there's some I exceptions mean, to that. We should we should say because technically speaking, if you're talking about American cinema, martial arts films often played as exploitation films, you know, mm-hmm. and you to some extent are a fan of black exploitation, at least in a limited capacity. Yes, this is true. This is true. But, but it's the it's the grindhouse. Like right, right. The I just you know the the wild misogyny, like the just the ultimate cruelty. These kinds of things really bug me out, and it's hard for me to sit and see sure. the art behind it, or well, the art okay, that goes but into making it. What's weird about this though is that this is a international question, so it's worth acknowledging that when we when people talk about exploitation, they tend to lump together. As you sort of just did, you said Grindhouse as well. But a lot of Grindhouse cinema in the U.S. were art films in Europe or big budget films in Europe. So, like, Gialli were money makers. These were not, these were not, you know, when we're talking about exploitation films in America, we might be talking about Poor Pretty Eddie, which is a film that, like, probably only played the shittiest drive ins in America, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. then, technically speaking, uh, Bird with Crystal Plumage was a big budget i mean not huge budget but it was an important film in italy not at first it took a while to catch on but once it did it, it was a big deal and it, and it defined a genre um but chances are in america if you saw it you might have seen it at a at a grindhouse theater and that's like the weird history of cinema in the 70s is that some movies that were considered more artistic or at least were larger cultural impact sometimes they had huge impact in the united states and sometimes they played grindhouses in times square so it's it's really hard to say and and i think that's part of the cultural soup that i like that comes out of this era where you might have someone who saw texas chainsaw massacre as often as they saw valerie and her week of wonders you know what i mean right and for them these are just all outside the norm cinema you know what i'm saying and so 
uh, I say all that to say, Gialli in Italy. So for those of you, let's do a quick before we get into our, our gimmick, because uh, some people might not know what we're talking about. Giallo describes uh, is a description for a certain kind of like uh, uh, mystery, like penny novel in Italy. And they were called Giallo because Giallo is yellow in Italian and the books were yellow. And then those sorts of mysteries slowly made their way into movies based on those books or original properties that were similar. And then in the 70s, literally you could say because of movies like The Bird with Crystal Plumage, as well as a couple other ones, Mm -hmm. the whole genre sort of shifted from traditional mysteries to more of a over-the-top, violent exploitation thing because of Argento. And you could say the influence of some other things, like a lot of giallo cinema was influenced by the German uh, crimi films, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as some other things going on, too. So, uh, Did you ever see any of those German crimi films? So I've only seen... uh, one and I don't even remember the name of it, so that's not very helpful. Right. Uh, I've heard of some of it because, as as people know, friend of the show Sam Deegan is an expert in all things utterly weird, and so <laughs> she did a series on crimi films that uh, I read about those films a little bit just because she was going to be showing them and talking about them. But the sh- the showings were in New York, so I couldn't make it. But mm. um, that being said, I you know I have. S- some sort of academic knowledge, but I haven't watched many of them. Uh, but I have managed to catch quite a few uh, Gialli simply from being interested in them, really starting with Argento, like a lot of people, and then and, and Fulci, for that matter, mm-hmm. and then going from there into some of the other lesser-known directors in the genre. Right. So today we're covering two films uh, that, I, that I feel like kind of interestingly cover a, a, a little bit of a broader dynamic. We're doing the classic... Uh, Dario Argento's first film, Bird with Crystal Plumage, which not only did it break Dario Argento onto the scene of, of making movies as a director in general, but really sort of redefined a lot of this genre from a general sort of mystery movie into something a little more extreme. And then we're covering Sergio Martino's uh, All the Colors of the Dark. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Sergio Martino, I think, is, as opposed to Argento, who might be, as far as a Giallo director, overrated, and I say that as someone who loves most Argento films, uh, to Sergio Martino, who I think is slightly underrated, um, at least outside of the diehard Giallo fan. Uh, but his movies also were very important, whether we're talking about All the Colors of the Dark or The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward or uh, Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key or the much more, I think, influential in the U.S., Torso, which was really mm. definitive for the slasher genre later. Uh, and then he, he made some other things too, but I, I'm less familiar with those. So <laughs> anyways, uh, before we get into that though, we, we want to, of course, up front, thank everyone who supports us on Patreon. Yes. Thank you so much for uh, staying with us and uh, for, for showing us love when you don't have to. <laughs> uh, we really, really appreciate it. And without you, it would, it, just uh, it helps it helps us keep the fires burning, as it were, in this strange yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really knowing just knowing, even though it's it's not a huge group or anything, but knowing that there are people who care enough about the show, about the network to give us money is amazing. And you know, with the pandemic going on and and things are unsure with people with their jobs and stuff, we've had a few people drop off and uh, leave the the Patreon. I just want to say, like, yo, that's totally cool. We believe me, we understand that we're in the midst of extraordinary circumstances. We're not people who are 
trying to pretend that the world is still normal. Things have changed. And if your situation has changed because of that, we hold no judgment for you whatsoever. If you have to stop supporting us on Patreon, like, please, that's fine. Uh, I do ask, you know, if, uh, when you leave, you know, fill out that little survey thing. Uh, cause I just want to know, like, you know, <laughs> if you're leaving, <laughs> I hope it's, I, I hate to say, I hope it's because of your situation has changed. Cause that means bad luck for you. So I, I don't hope that, but I, but I do prefer that to, I hate, <laughs> I hate you. that too. Oh, Liam keeps on talking and making mouth noises. So yes, later. I, oh, okay, I I want to say really quick. I get really sensitive about Josh making fun of my mouth noises, but I do want to say like <laughs> listening to myself today, I realize I'm stuffed up, and so the mouth noise factor is higher. So I want to apologize in advance for any mouth noises, but also say there are no mouth noises. This is just propaganda by Josh. It's Anyways, um, maybe there's a uh, filter we can filter the mouth. You know. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much. And even in the midst of this pandemic, we've actually got new uh, supporters on Patreon, which is like insane to me. So to anyone who just started supporting us, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, and, and you know, we, we really couldn't do this without your help. Uh, we also want to thank uh, LVAC, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, you can find them at xlvacx.com. You know, they're basically super quality screen printers who you can feel good giving your business to because they're also and they're good people. super quality people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's <laughs> you can feel good supporting them because of because of the sort of business they are. So you should you should even even if you don't have anything you think you want to make a shirt or a sweatshirt or a bandana for, you should just make it up just to support them. Finally, we can say this. There's something that we should do right now. That we don't have our video on, so uh-huh. it might be hard to coordinate. But we could turn it on if you want. I don't know if that's going to happen. You know why? Because what we're going to do right now is called... <gasps> Whacking on track! <laughs> I think that was good. That was, that was close. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it was good. Man. Jacob can line it up. Jacob, I really do assume that you're lining these things up in post. I and really if you don't think that it's worth the effort, Jacob, uh, because, you know... Line it up in post. Line it up in post. Or you could line it up in post. I don't know. That's a thing. But so, Liam, what have you done recently that is whack and or on track? Wow, Josh, that's a really great question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You guys know I moved. That's no big deal. I don't want to beat you guys over the head with that. I haven't had a ton of a ton of time um, to do stuff for me in the midst of that move. Uh, I haven't gotten to go anywhere which is not a big deal lots of people haven't gone anywhere but i haven't like watched a ton of stuff either unfortunately i will say i acquired probably irrationally because i don't really have money to spend right now but i got the bruce lee box set from criterion nice wow how is it it's it's very cool it's very cool i recommend it very high that's a that's a huge wreck from me guys that's a big old double thumbs up it's great that's awesome what's in it Uh, uh, Big Boss, uh, Enter the Dragon, nice. Fist of Fury, Fist of Fury 2, or no, 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 I got that wrong. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me right now. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's like five movies and a bunch of special features. So I obviously haven't dug through it yet because I don't have time like that. I'm mostly watching stuff for the podcast. But um, it, it's cool. I'm very stoked on it. I've managed to watch a couple things. And just been so impressed with the transfers, with how everything looks, with the options on special features. So 
I highly recommend it. You should jump on that if you haven't yet. I also want to lift up. I wasn't able to go last weekend to the uh, wrestling and movies event that LVAC put on. I really wanted to drive back, but it 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 just became clear that driving back to PA just for that was going to be a nightmare. So I needed to not do that. However, um, we did get some people to sell shirts for us. So I wanted to thank Adriana, a friend of the show, Cinepunk uh, person, former host of The Flight Stuff. You know, just basically one of the coolest people in the Lehigh Valley. She sold shirts for Rough Cut. Uh, we had Suburban Commando shirts. She sold those for Rough Cut on Friday night. And then also friend of the show, uh, Jeff Tebow, sold shirts for us on Saturday. And they did pretty good. You know, not huge numbers, but definitely glad that we had people there to sell those for us. And it looked like it was a good time. So much respect to LVAC for putting that event on. I wish I could have been there. But I'm glad that people were able to pick up shirts. And we're going to have the extras from the Suburban Commando sale up on the website pretty quick. Pretty quick. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Try to think what else. Uh, You know, I'm kind of in this like weird space too between moving and not getting enough sleep. Because uh, Mavis had a cold recently that my brain is not totally there. But I, I okay, so here's something I, I wasn't going to bring up, but I, I wanted to bring up real quick. I think I talked about a while ago that I really like that Guillermo del Toro show, uh, Troll Hunters. Mm-hmm. And that show, for people who don't know, that's a show on Netflix, totally written and conceived by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I think individual scripts and certain episodes were directed by other people, but he sort of was the showrunner for it. And it's like a, it's a goofy cartoon, but it's got a lot of layers to it, whatever. The show had to kind of pivot quickly because the main character was voiced by Anton Yelchin. And uh, most of y'all know Anton Yelchin died tragically. And so they didn't know what to do, whether they should just cancel the show uh, they had some episodes in the can that he had done vocals for or voice work for, so they didn't know if they should release those or re-record them with someone else or whatever. So the whole show had to pivot. But in the midst of that pivot, what Guillermo del Toro did, which I didn't know, was that he decided to expand the show into a trilogy of shows all based around the same town. So Troll Hunters is like a fantasy show about trolls. He then made a second show, that was about aliens getting stranded in that town. And now they just premiered a third show about wizards connected to that town. And there's similar characters running through all three shows. And they are great. I didn't know about this. I just thought when Troll Hunters ended, that was it. Like, no more of that world. And there's, like, more stuff to watch. Plus, next year, they're supposed to be releasing a Troll Hunters movie that's, like, the finale for the whole trilogy of TV shows. So... That's sick. I'm all about that. I love that. Um, you know, again, I hate to bring up children's media on here because I know people probably are sick of it. But I think Troll Hunters is one of those things that when I post about it, a lot of adults without children have watched this thing. I think if you are a Guillermo del Toro fan and the idea of nerdy trolls, uh, of, of nerdy kids and trolls working together is appealing to you. Plus, the, the second show in the th- three-show trilogy is about aliens like extraterrestrials and then it so clearly becomes about immigrants who do not have proper authorization and i know that that's a topic you know obviously passionate to guillermo del toro as as someone of mexican heritage so 
I don't know. It's just really good. It's called Three Below. The second show is called Three Below. And I was kind of skeptical going in, but it, it's been really good. And it has a really fun turn by Nick Offerman as this giant alien who's angry uh, all the time. I love uh, Nick Offerman. I think he's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I recommend it. Uh, or, you know, I'd love to have other things that I'm watching that I could hip you guys to. The only other thing I could say is I watched the first episode of Lovecraft Country. Oh, how was it? It was the guy from... Um from Last Black Man in San Francisco, right? Yep, yep, yep. And as well as uh, Smollett, I forget her first name, but she was, she's been in a, many things, including Birds of Prey. But of course, I will always remember her from Eve's Bayou mm. uh, because Eve's Bayou is an amazing movie. But she's been in a lot of other things too. I don't want to limit her or whatever. She's in it. Um, and a few other people who I kind of recognize are in it as well. It's great. It's really great. Uh, again, first episode, so maybe the show will go off the rails at some point. But right now, I'm big into it. Uh, and then finally, I talked about this on Horror Business, not because it's horror-related, because it's not, but because Justin Lord turned me on to it. But the podcast, Behind the Bastards, I cannot recommend it enough. It's very good. They just finished a six-part series about the police. Nice. Um, they've, they cover everything from business people to uh, dictators to whatever, but it's like the history and background of various evil people throughout history as well as today. So check it out. Behind the Bastards is very good. Uh, but that's it. That's all I got. I haven't been reading much. Not a lot of new music out that I've been... T- oh, one thing. I forgot. That band Outer Heaven, who I really like, yeah, just released a live set from... New York. What's the venue in Brooklyn that people play a lot? St. Vitus. St. Vitus. They just released a live set from St. Vitus that is very brutal and very good. So if you, I know not a lot of our listeners like metal, but if you are into some brutal death metal with a bit of a gallop to it, uh, I I highly recommend Outer Heaven's live set from St. Vitus. It's available on Bandcamp right now. Nice. Sick. Very good. I will check it out. (laughs) How about you, Josh? So on the whack tip, uh, the big thing that has happened recently is that friend of the show and uh, beloved member of my household, George A. Chima- George A. Romero, the Chihuahua, has suffered a slip disc in his neck somehow. So he's been like doing this thing where he's, he'll walk and then he'll just be like bark and like yelp like he's in pain and then just go back to normal. So me and Melani were like real panicky and we took him to... Um, Apparently, there's an urgent care for pets in the art museum area that we took him to. And, uh, yeah, it turns out he has a slip disc in his neck. Right? Like, being short as a chihuahua is not hard enough of a life. Like, now you got some, like, fucking back problems. So, like, we had to get all these meds for him. And, like, the vet was like, yo, man, like, you can't let him go up and down stairs. And you got to, like, basically baby him. To the degree of which we already baby him anyway. Because he's a spoiled chihuahua, as you know. But, um... That was a bummer because it's like, you know, that's our dog. I don't want my dog to be in pain. So um, so that is whack. Um, other than that, on track, the, we saw The Rental. Did you watch that movie? I haven't gotten to watch it yet. It's the new movie by Dave Franco. It's his directorial debut. And uh, it could be called Airbnb Horror. And, um, you know, it was fine. I liked it. It wasn't the worst thing I've seen, but I enjoyed it. Um, we've been watching a lot 
of Drag Race. So we finished Drag Race Season 5 All-Stars, and uh, congratulations to Shea Coulee. Of course, I'm sh- everybody watched it before we did, so, you know, just getting to finishing that now. And um, and then we have transitioned, since we finished all the other Drag Race seasons, we have been watching Canada's Drag Race, Drag Race Canada, where it's um, a bunch of drag queens from Canada competing for the crown of the first Canadian drag uh, superstar. So I've been watching a lot of that. Canada's weird. I have a lot of questions for Doug Tilly. Just saying. Sure, sure. Just well, saying. we should have him on the show soon. We should. But man, it's there's a lot. There's a lot. So um, so that's a thing. So I've been watching that. And I consider that on track. I mean, it's fun to watch drag queens in other locales, you know. So um, it makes me a lot happy. So we've been watching Canada Drag Race. And um, as far as listening, um, did we talk about the new record by Boris? It's called No. I have not heard it. Oh, my sweet baby Jesus. Longtime listeners of the show know how much I stand for Boris. Like, I love, in my mind, that band is a perfect band. And I know that, like, they're kind of like a fractured band because they have a lot of different approaches and they have a lot of different sounds over their very long and storied career. But for me, that is my, like, they're up there with like a neurosis or like um just i think they're just so cool and with every release they're always constantly re like reinventing themselves they're like the madonna of drone music and um i fucking love this new record it's so good it draws a lot from like hardcore and it's like it's it's just sonically very very heavy and um it's only been released on bandcamp for as far as i know it's called No. It's really, really good, and uh, I love it. That's been the thing that I've been listening to a lot lately. Um, the new record by Brian McTernan's band, Be Well, drops tomorrow. A lot of people have already gotten their uh, vinyl copies of it, but I don't have a turntable, and Liam has all my records, so I'm waiting for the digital release, which will be at midnight tonight. <laughs> um, but if you don't know, Be Well is members of... It's Brian McTernan on vocals, and a bunch of people from a bunch of other bands that I'm sure that you know. So it's X Bane, X um, uh, Darkness Falls, like these kinds of bands. And it's it's super duper like melodic and emotionally heavy. And it's definitely the appropriate kind of music for this day and age, for today. It's really, really good. Um, I've had the good fortune of playing a show with them. And I really, really like those people. And I'm really excited to hear the record tomorrow. So, So that's on track. I got a shirt. I, I still wear shirts, but um, yeah. Oh, and also the new Kyle Kinane record, comedian Kyle Kinane has released a record, and it's called uh, "Trampoline in a Ditch." <laughs> Love it, super duper good. It's really really fun, huh. and uh, I don't know what your stance on Kyle Kinane is. I think he's hilarious, and I think he's probably the best in the game right now. And man, that record does not disappoint. So um, it just came out last month, and I just uh, I just started listening to it, and I really really love it. And uh, I saw the new uh, Jim Jeffries Netflix special last night, and um, we saw Jim Jeffries a couple times, like when he first started touring, and he wasn't so fun because like the first time we saw him was awesome, and then the second time he did a lot of the same jokes that he did two years prior the first time we saw him so i was just kind of like ah this guy sucks but then um this new special he's he's refined and he's uh written new material which is pretty cool and i find it to be pretty damn funny it was a good time so that was also on track for me so me and melani watched it last night enjoyed it that's great yeah that's all i got that's that's what i got cooking 
The other whack thing is that Liam now doesn't live in Philadelphia or Philadelphia adjacent, and it makes me very sad on a daily basis. But I still get to do a podcast with you, buddy, so I'm okay with that. I, I'm, I'm trying not to let it make me feel sad, but there have been regular times where people have posted about something, and I think, oh, I could probably make the drive for that because I'm thinking I'm in Easton. Uh, but then I remember, oh, wait, no, I fully live in Illinois now. Yeah. And it's a bummer because the ways that I get to know a place are doing cool things. And I feel like there's a limit to what I'm even willing to try to do. Like uh, some of the movie theaters here have opened. Oh. I'm not going to a fucking movie theater right now. Fuck you. Yeah. I, I don't even want to sit in a restaurant. I want to sit, if I have to, outside a restaurant. And even then, I'm not sure. You know, like I'll be, I'll be straight up with y'all. Like my particular town is kind of like a rich town. It's kind of like a frou-frou town, you know? Mm. And these rich-ass richies, really think they can't get COVID, y'all. Like, they really think, like, that shit is for poor people because they will be out here not rocking masks, being real chill, getting in my space. And I'm like, y'all, I am not about... Yeah, we're about to end up on the internet because there's going to be video of me yelling at you, like, what the fuck? Oh, no. So, I, I, you know, I'm... And, and I don't think it's the whole state, you know, talking to people who live in other places. They're like, yeah, no, people are a little more chill. And, and it's not as bad here as it was, like, driving across country, like driving through Ohio and Indiana there were definitely people who were like, what's a pandemic? You know what I mean? Like they have no clue what's going on, but, uh, but it's still not like it is on the Northeast where you, you know, in the Lehigh Valley, you see people who don't seem to care. They're making a political statement. You know what I mean? Like mm. they're, they're out here trying to provoke a response. People in this town just really think like, Oh, we've gotten past the worst of it. So we can like move on with our lives now. And I'm like, Nah, brah. Like, <laughs> numbers here, numbers here are not going down. They're they've been steadily increasing for a month. So, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and and again, I'll admit I'm being uptight because I am immunocompromised, and so I'm a little nervous about it. But like, it's bad. I mean, I I went and got tested within pretty shortly of getting here just because i didn't trust it i was like i don't people here are too chill i'm gonna go get tested now uh and you know your man's came back negative of course but but you know i'm sure in a couple weeks i'm gonna be nervous again with all these parents at the playgrounds with no masks on getting all in my space it's only a matter of time before i'm like i need to get tested again i don't trust it you know did you get the nasal swab or did you do the antibody test oh i did the nasal swab oh okay cool yeah i I mean, the antibody test would be cool, I guess, but I really think, like, if I had had it, I think I would have gotten sick. I don't think I'm one of these, like, uh, bulls who, like, conquered it with no effects at all. I don't think yeah, that's just the carrier. With my, no. with my immune system. No, <laughs> I don't think that's a real thing. Oh, so geez. I got the nasal swab. They were doing the nasal swabs at, here at, like, the Walgreens. It was, like, mm-hmm. a drive-thru. So I was, How was yeah, that? I'll How was that. the nasal swab? Did, was it a bummer? Like, okay, I mean, here's the thing. You're, you're, I have you're not putting been a thing in your yet. nose. I have not been tested oh. yet because they. I haven't shown any symptoms, and the hospital hasn't been testing people that have been asymptomatic. So, uh, and that said, there's also been, like, minimal exposure as far as positives go because a lot of people are, as soon as, like, they test positive or whatever, they're being removed from the floors and all that stuff and put in, like, a COVID specialty floor and all that stuff. So a lot of times admissions come at night when I'm not at work, and then they're gone by the time that I get there. So, so I've been relatively lucky in that regard. But also, I've seen the administration of these uh, nasal swabs on people, 
And let me tell you something. It reminds me of that scene in Total Recall when Arnold Schwarzenegger gets the probe out of his nose. Like that's what it looks like because you got to go so far back, like to the to the pharynx, like through the nasal cavity, and it does not look pleasant at all. It does not look pleasant at all. It's I mean, one- look, putting anything like that in your nose is going to not be good. Right. I'll, Great. I'll, I'll I'll own that. But was it horrifying? Nah, man. It was chill. You, you know, immediately my eyes started water- watering and I felt unhappy, but. <laughs> I've had worse in my nose before. So right. as far as I was concerned, I was like, well, that wasn't great, but I would w- more than willingly do it again. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to be one of these people. You know, there are people who are working in dangerous situations that are getting tested like daily. Yeah. I don't want to put sucks. that shit in my nose every day, but if I had to do it like once a week, I could do it once a week. It's not comfortable, but it's really not that bad. Fair enough. Yeah. I was just going to go for the antibody test when I get my uh, annual checkup at my doctor's anyway. Just to just to know if I was exposed at all, or if I had any type of antibodies showing that like I was sick for any reason or any amount of time, which I'm pretty sure I wasn't. But again, you can't be sure, right? And right. Um, I would rather get stabbed with a needle in my vein than have that thing in my nose. Because, dude, we've we've had to do it to patients that have been less than receptive to the process. And let me tell you, when you have to do that while somebody's fighting you, it's not so fun. Not so fun. And I will say at the drive-through, John's it's self-administered, so uh, it's not like someone shoving it in for you. Yeah, yeah, we've had to gown up and face masks and all that shit, and then just be like, "All right, dog, here comes nothing." And then something's like, "What are you doing?" And then next thing you know, it's a struggle, and it's not. I mean, you know, the psychotic population of North Philadelphia isn't often eager to get the appropriate treatment anyway. So then, this on top of all that has been a bummer to say the least so thankfully as i'm not a nurse i don't have to do it i just have to support the nurses that are doing it but that's where the trouble comes in where you're like ah and it's just balls to the wall it sucks sometimes but you get used to the weirdest things i'll tell you that liam (laughs) (laughs) so well i guess we should take a quick break and come back and actually talk about these movies yeah let's do that that sounds like a plan all right so we're going to take a break we're going to come back and talk about nine. I don't remember what year Bird with Crystal Privilege is from. 1972? <laughs> uh, let me see. If only oh. there was a computer in our pockets where we could check a database of 1970s. all movies. 1970s, The Bird with Crystal Privilege. <laughs> we'll be right back. And 1972, All the Colors of the Dark. Sorry. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. We're going to start with Bird with Crystal Privilege. So. Yeah, okay, yeah. we'll be right back.
And we're back. <laughs> oh, hey. Hello. So uh, we have come back to talk about two movies in the Gialli family, Bird with the Crystal Plumage and All the Colors of the Dark. Now, before this, Josh, had you seen any Giallo at all? So here's my history with Giallo. I was told, so early on in my film explorations, I gravitated towards the horror movies of Lucio Fulci, just because I knew about Zombie, but I also loved the Beyond, and uh, I started watching, like, all of those, like, and I started with a lot of those Italian, like, Burial Ground, like, these kinds of movies, and um, House by the Cemetery, of course, and um, a lot of the Argento ones, too, and someone suggested that I watch uh, Never Tortured Duckling. And I tried. And even back then, I was like, oh, this is not for me. And then I was told, well, maybe you should try The New York Ripper, which I got through that one, but it was not without duress. It was a difficult watch for me. Um, I love The New York Ripper. I think it's really good. The whole duck thing. I mean, for sure. It's something that I very much should revisit now that I have uh you know, 20 more years of cinematic knowledge. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Maybe sure. I should go watch it again. But also, I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. Because that's the thing, man. Like, these movies, as I came to understand them, all involved, like, weird rapey vibes and, like, fucking disgusting no-face people. And uh, not really my thing, you know what I mean? Like, eh. Uh, it's funny, too, because it's like... So, here's a little anecdote about... Um, just how I feel about like movies like that happen that involve a lot of that, like, you know, these like ladies getting murdered by dudes and all this stuff. I have when I, when I was growing up, my parents, my, my dad was a teacher and my mom uh, was a nurse. They're both retired now, but my mom worked the overnight so that, you know, when my dad would teach during the day, there would be someone home and then he'd get home and my mom would go to work and so on and so forth. Like, a lot of Filipino families had this kind of arrangement as far as I understood. Like, someone would be out at night and then someone would be out during the day. And, like, that was how, like, the double-income family thing propagated itself, you know? So there were a lot of times when it was really hard for me to sleep, especially after seeing, like, horror movies and stuff that I was exposed to far too young, that where, like, things would happen to, like, nurses, like in Halloween 2, you know what I mean? And, like, stuff like that. And it would always bum me out until like I'd hear my mom's keys in the door in the morning and not that I'd like stay up all night and wait for that but that was always the signal that oh mom's home everything's going to be fine and I as we were watching these movies I was just thinking about like why is it that I have such an aversion to these kinds of movies and it's always because like a lot of the times bad things happen to these people that are just like living that these female people that are just alive you know what I mean? And like, it just made me, as a kid, it makes, it, or as a film person now, it makes me think of my mom and my relationship with my mom back then and how I was always worried about her because she worked in Philadelphia on these overnight shifts. And it was just like, man, like, you know, that's how these movies happen. You know what I mean? Like fucking in the city late at night, like the killer stalks and all this other shit. And um, yeah, that's, I think that's directly where my aversion, this childhood fear that my mom one morning would not come home. You know what I mean? Like, or like stuff like that. Like, and I know that's kind of like a juvenile way to look at it. And it's a thing that I probably shouldn't like carry with me. But hey, that's just how I'm built, man. That's just part of the story. So 
So that that's what has spread this lifelong aversion to these kinds of Gialli movies. Because it always seemed to me the ones that I have seen are following that theme, right? So watching these movies, um, I think I had actually seen Bird with the Crystal Plumage before. Because as far as like Argento movies goes, I think somebody told me in uh, incorrectly that it was part of the Mother of Tears trilogy with Suspiria and... Um, the third one, mm-hmm. Mother of Tears or whatever. I forget what the first one No, was. his first three Gialli are actually a trilogy called the Animal Trilogy because it's Bird of Crystal Plumage, uh, Cat of Nine Tails, oh, right, and right, right, Four right. Flies on Gray Velvet. I've never seen any of those. But I did oh, see Bird of Crystal Plumage. Very good, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like Argento, to be fair. Like, I liked Inferno. I liked... Um, see, but this is what's funny, though, because... Argento is actually the individual, unless you count a little bit of Fulci, but it's really more Argento in, in 1970 with this movie, who introduces cruelty to the Giallo. All the Giallos prior to 1970 were just mystery films. Now, do a lot of mystery films revolve around women getting murdered more than men? Sure, 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 sure. But they weren't that violent. They were actually specifically not violent until Argento comes along and is like, no, 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 let's actually chop these people up a little bit. <laughs> you know, he, he single-handedly added that to the, to the genre. Uh, not that there wouldn't be violence in the other uh, Gialli, but he was sort of a, a, an artisan of murder. Like, you could really say he was the first of these directors to really try to choreograph and innovate in his murder sequences. Whereas in a lot of these films before you might see a murderer, but to see the murder in any explicit way was not that common. Mm. Right. Fair enough. Really Giallo just describes a mystery. Like it's, it's, Mm. they were always more tawdry than say an Agatha Christie movie, Mm -hmm. but, uh, they weren't really like the proto slashers that they became until Argento with this very film, which is sort of why I thought it would be a good place to start. It both starts his career and it really starts the movement that became Giallo. So Mm -hmm. the term was in use from like the fifties, but the movies that in America, when we say Giallo, what we're talking about tends to start with this movie, though there were a couple movies before this one that had started a bit of a trend towards darker material. Mm-hmm. Argento really came along and was like, just, uh, it's like this. And you're just like, whoa. You know, like <laughs> his use of music, the mm-hmm. black gloves holding the knife, mm-hmm. uh, the, the color palette. Yeah. Like yeah, the, the perspective of the killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Even what he does a lot too is not just that you get the POV of the murderer, thus implicating you, the audience member, in the murder. But sometimes you get false POV mm-hmm. where you think you're getting the the POV of the murderer, and it's the murderer comes into frame, and you're like, "Wait, that doesn't work. What are you talking about?" <laughs> and he's actually messing with you. You think you're getting one thing, and you're, it's actually another. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that said, given all of that, I did enjoy this movie. Even yeah, I, it, I, I don't well, feel like it. it I, there was a bunch of stuff by the end that had me turning my head to the side and scratching my temple. Like, I'm not quite sure what's the what going on here. But overall, as a uh-huh, viewing experience, uh-huh. I definitely enjoyed it. And I mean, like, I, I definitely saw it at maybe an exhumed thing. I feel, but I feel like I saw it a long time ago because there were scenes that came back to me, like the whole uh, well, the murder scene in the art gallery that that like does uh-huh. the whole thing that sets the whole thing off. I remembered seeing that before, 
was like, wait. Well, okay, but two two things about that. One is Exum did do a triple feature of the Animal Trilogy at Philomoka because uh, Harry has them all on 16 millimeters. So oh, he did wow. all three on 16 millimeter. However, the murder scene you might be familiar with because it's a key element of all the advertisements for Fandor, the streaming service uh, Fandor right, that right, no right. one talks about anymore. All of their commercials and even the role on the app all start with that opening scene from the bird with the crystal plumage, which is funny because I don't think of Fandor as a strongly genre streaming service, but they, I guess that was like their big thing. But it's, it's so funny because I think it, it is so iconic and really so cinematic like I, I mean a lot of the movie looks really good but this so uh, let's do a quick the only thing i wanted to say was i think um i think a little bit for you slashers and giallo have men melded together yeah 100%. which makes sense yeah which makes sense because a lot of this period in giallo really influenced the slasher genre later mm -hmm. but you know i would say new york ripper is just a slasher movie it's nothing but a slasher movie and the only no reason i call giallo it giallo is because it was done by fulci and i knew that <laughs> yeah i think it's just him trying to be like oh you think this is bad let me show you what a slasher could be like mm. and it's so fucked up anyways yeah. uh so f for y'all I mean, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the podcast but you know this giallo genre really is about mystery it's about a murder mystery mm. um and it's in about fact, red herrings it's about yeah um these yep. like these false uh clues and trails that you can follow yeah, down yeah yeah they also became kind of nightmarish like they became sort of abstract a little bit mm -hmm. um but you know it's worth noting we're actually covering two major streams in giallo just on this one episode because you were focusing on the victim which i think in both streams tends to be women though not exclusively women mm -hmm. uh the actual real two streams of Giallo are with the main character. There are M Giallo. Those are the ones that have male protagonists. And there are F Giallo. And those are the ones that have female protagonists. And famously, Argento tended to focus, as well as Fulci, on male protagonist Giallo. And in fact, that was the most popular stream of Giallo. And those films tend to be about men in urban environments who are out of place. They don't belong. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they're from another country. Maybe just because they're visiting a new city. Whatever it is, it's about the disconnect of the male person within this new modern environment. There's often complicated relationships with women. There's a lot of exploration of like male psychosis a little bit um a little bit of like uh, a questioning of gender all that kind of stuff right mm. the female fronted giallo are the ones where we tend to focus on a woman slowly losing her mind mm. you know a female character slowly coming unraveled um and in fact not only did martino sort of push that because a lot of the female focused giallo previously were more uh romantic they're almost like romantic character pieces uh with the strange vice of mrs ward mm -hmm. sergio martino kind of invented the violent female focused giallo it had never really existed before then and all the colors of the dark is like sort of the the tip sort of the uh the ideal epitome. version of that yeah, yeah okay. exactly the epitome of that but with bird of crystal privilege like i think argento really introduces like a lot of weird stuff. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens yeah, in this movie sure. in a genre that used to be more of a straight-up mystery. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, wait. Before we get into that, though, what is your history with Giallo? Like, longtime listeners of the show know Liam loves exploitation movies. Like, you're an ex-fest for 14 hours, dude. But what is your specific relationship in history with Giallo? 
Well, I I would say prior to watching the Animal Trilogy, like I was there for the full trilogy at Thilomoka that Exhumed did. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I always thought of them as just funny named Italian movies that weren't slashers, so I didn't want to watch them. And uh, I was a pretty big fan of the slasher movies for a while. I think I've sort of not been into them recently, but uh, in the past, I, I, they were one of my favorite sort of genres of films. The only um, slasher films, or I'm sorry, the only giallo I'd seen were mi- films that I thought of as slasher movies and only found out later were more giallo. That's Torso, also mm. by Sergio Martino, and Tenebrae, also by Dario Argento. I um, love both I of those movies, too. Yeah, until I saw the Animal Trilogy, I had not seen any actual giallo other than those two, and I didn't know that those two were a different genre, even though the whole point of Tenebrae is Argento returning to the giallo. It's like him <laughs> going back to the genre or whatever. Mm. Uh, I didn't know that. I just thought it was a weird slasher. It's a weird slasher. Uh, but, you know, it is. Th- there are differences. There are significant differences in the style and in what's happening. And, in fact, when slashers borrow from gialli the red herring murder mm-hmm. mystery aspect mm-hmm. i tend to dislike that i prefer a slasher where the question of who the murderer is is irrelevant so mm-hmm. for example slumber party massacre just a dude with a drill some jerk off <laughs> in a jeans outfit with a drill right there's who no he is could not be less relevant <laughs> yeah 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 um whereas in gialli that's it is sort of the point even if there's a lot of false things or, or what Martino did a lot with his movies was multiple killers, mm-hmm. you know? So like the, the reason that this thing is a red herring is because that w- they were killed by someone else. There's another killer, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and, and uh, I'm sure that was very frustrating for people trying to decipher the mystery, but I've never been that stoked on deciphering the mystery. So, but once I saw the animal trilogy, I was like, I really liked how stylized those movies were. Um, and once arrow put out, uh, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. I got a promo copy of that because of Cinepunks and I watched it and I thought that was a mind blowing movie and possibly my favorite Sergio Martino film. Um, And after watching that, I thought, Oh, I think I'm into Gialli. Like, I think (laughs) I want to find more because it was, again, I kind of just thought, Oh, this is something that Fulci and Argento did, but I'm not really interested in going past those two guys. They're the big names. And after that, who cares? And now I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I like uh, the Mario Bava films that mm-hmm. are considered Giallo. I really like. Um, I like um, Umberto Lenzi, and I like uh, uh, Sergio Martino. And there's a few other folks who I haven't seen their films, but I've seen the titles. They sound cool. <laughs> the directors get respect in that documentary that I watch. So I might try to find those too. But mm. um, yeah, there's something about them that's a little bit different that I appreciate, and I want to find out even more about them than I do now, which I only know a little bit from like special features and from this documentary that the audience should know Josh refused to watch because it was hella boring. It's a hella very boring documentary. Boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it was very informative and it helped me know a lot about uh, the genre, including, you know, that Bird Crystal Plumage was Argento's first movie. The owner of the company hated the movie 
And when it first came out, it did terribly. But what he started doing was going to different cities to check it out. And by the end of the first week, so basically the head of the company was on vacation. So he wasn't there to say, pull this movie out of theaters. So what Argento did was go and check it out at different theaters around Italy. And in other theaters in, uh, than where he was, it started to do really well. And before you know it, it was like a huge hit. But it took a little bit to get off the ground. But of course, by the end, the guy who owned the company was like taking credit like, oh, we really did something here. And Argento's like, you fucking hated my movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's funny. If only I so, could have gotten to that part in the documentary. Oh, you jerk. It probably didn't Anyways, happen in the first 10 minutes. No, it did. It did. Um, so, yeah. So, Burma Crystal Plumage, as I said, it started Gentle's first movie. It was really, you know, he was being, this is like, they were taking a chance on him, you know, which wasn't that rare. There were a lot of directors who got like a quick chance to make something. You know, they were looking for talent mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but even though Giallo existed as a as a genre, this movie really sort of defined it and control. Like people were basically trying to rip him off for years and years after this. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's a movie about an American who, right before he's supposed to leave Italy, he witnesses a murder. Uh, it's in an art gallery and he sees it through the window. There's a giant picture window yeah. and he sees it and he tries to help the woman, but he gets trapped between an outer door and an inner door. And so he's like helplessly watching as maybe she dies. He doesn't know until the police get there if she's going to make it or not. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the movie is him a trying combo to figure of, out what happened. Yeah. He's trying to figure out what he saw exactly. And he's sequestered and then, by the local authorities. Yep. And then people trying to kill him. Yeah. To keep him from figuring it out. Uh, and also, he can't leave Italy right away because um, they take his passport because they want to know, you know, they want him around in case they can figure out more. Eventually, he decides to stay because yeah. he becomes obsessed. He becomes obsessed with the mystery of it all and he tries to figure it out. But it's very much, he's trying to, in a way, figure himself out. The yeah. movie is both about him figuring out this mystery, but also about how he kind of is a groundless person afloat who has the time and space to do this thing you know mm -hmm. he's like a writer and uh he's in italy and he it, it opens with him talking about how he translates books in order to stay and get plane ticket to go home all this other stuff so he he gives the vibe of shiftless kind of listless american intellectual out of water at a certain point he says how he hadn't written anything but then doing this mystery trying to figure it out he's suddenly writing again you know yeah 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 yeah. it's pretty pretty good and one of the things i would say one of the things that argento really introduces in it that i thought was really interesting is like humor these mm. movies weren't funny like before argento they might have a few comedic moments here and there but they didn't have big comedic moments and the two actors argento casts in these comedic roles are actually like well-known actors, some of the most well-known actors in the movie. Mm -hmm. So like taking these actors who were known to the audience and having them play ridiculous characters, both the pimp who's just constantly just silly. Just you know? real weird. Yeah. 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 And, and the, the artist, artist who eats yeah. cats. Yeah. And he tries to feed Crazy. him a cat. He feeds our man a cat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just a strange part of, it's such a strange bump in the rest of the movie to me. Like, that's a note that when it hits, I'm like, is that in tune? <laughs> but, you know, into it. I kind of like, like that, though. Yeah, it definitely keeps you moving, you know? It keeps you guessing. And then it, like, I, th there's a genius to throwing that odd monkey wrench into this, like, machine. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, Josh, you were saying that 
these films tend to be a little too grimy, a little too cruel, uh, a little too like, am I even supposed to be watching this for you? Yeah. How did you feel about this movie? You said you, you liked it. What, what were some of the things that you appreciated about it? What worked for you? And what didn't work for you? Were there things that you found frustrating? Um, the things that I found were to be very entertaining was the visual style of the movie. Now, I mean, okay, I get it. I, I've seen Suspiria. I know the Argento style, and I get it. But this movie, having seen it for the first time in since I saw it the first time or whatever, um, which I don't, I barely remember, as you know, I found it to be very visually pleasing. Uh, from from the murder sequence on, like that whole white art gallery with the stairs and everything, and yes, it is the Fandor. Is Fandor still a thing, by the way? I think it is, but I don't actually know. Huh. That's funny. But um but yeah, no, I, I really like the aesthetics of it. Even like the sequence with the artist guy when he's trying to, to figure out who did the painting and what he was looking at or thinking when he did the painting that uh this whole murder is somehow connected to. Um just the way that the guy's art studio looked like and he's eating and he looks like very uh like a Hemingway if it was like fed through an Italian filter and wasn't a writer but was a painter like that's kind of the vibe that I got and I thought that looked really cool like just like the whole like the table and everything like I just thought it looked awesome um so visually aesthetically I really liked this movie a lot I thought that um the colors were were still vibrant while still not as like flagrant as Argento would later become in his uh, later career, but it was you see the seedlings of that aesthetic ideal that in this movie, and um, I really like that. I really responded to that because I think in 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 my time of becoming a film appreciator, I've suddenly just by doing cinepunks for this many years, I've come to appreciate visual movies on a visual level a lot more than when I saw this movie the first time. So. Uh, it felt like in that regard, I was seeing this movie for the very first time. Uh, things that I found frustrating were there were a lot of parts of the storyline where I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not so sure that the rollback ba- roll after you figure out what's going on at the end, I'm not so sure if it works the other way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that he's, uh, it just seemed like a really like wishy-washy tie-up at the end. Does that make sense? Tell me what. Tell me why. I mean, I don't think we have to worry about spoiling this for anyone. So get get specific. Yeah. So what, like, what it turns you out at? that it wasn't so much that the dude was trying to stab the lady; it was that the lady was trying to murder the dude, and somehow he turned the knife on her, and he got away. But it's like, so wait. So then, if she's trying to murder our man's, and he does the turnaround and stabs her. Why wouldn't he be like, yo, dog, this is what happened to the dude trapped in the door that's watching the whole thing? Because it's his wife. He spent the whole movie trying to protect her. Yeah, but it just seems like... uh, I don't know. There's just something about that add-up that didn't work for me. (laughs) Wow. I I was really ready for you to lay out something because I think with Argento, I think that's part of the point. He's not too interested in his Gialli in making everything make sense, which I think is a new thing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it became sort of the template later where the experience of watching um, this person sort of stalk people and, and all the red herrings, it, it doesn't have to add up for people after mm-hmm. this. So yeah. like, I was like, okay, whatever, whatever. But I actually think 
the idea that it's his wife is like the most obvious. This is why he's keeping her from talking to people. This uh, is why he wants to like shelter her. It actually really adds up to me in a way that almost makes it too obvious. There's a, a lot of other Gialli that I've seen sometimes resort to something that feels supernatural. There's a hint mm. that there could be ghosts or there could be what think about deep red. Yeah. A lot of deep red feels like, is yeah, there some other mystery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a witch? Is there some other magical thing going on? And there isn't. It's just a murder mystery, but but it always is hinting at that. I feel like that becomes a pattern for a lot of other Giallo films. Bird with Crystal Plumage, it never does. And in fact, everything kind of adds up, honestly, in a way that like, I, I, it's not perfect. Again, it's not like an Agatha Christi, Christie novel where they're giving you clues like that. Mm. But, but for me, the big reveal, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, I got gotcha. you. That kind of works, you know. And uh, the idea that like he wouldn't tell them, like, no, he's. I, I get the feeling the husband knows she's been killing people since the beginning, oh, and so he's, he's been trying, trying to cover, to for, her cover her. for her, protect yeah. her, and 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 I think he, in the end, probably wants to stop her, but is trying to do it in a way that's like internal, mm-hmm. and she's just a crazy person and you know in these movies that's the only explanation you need yeah she saw something bad and now she does bad things that's it that's the whole deal <laughs> that is- i will say that's a bit of an unfair treatment of mental health i also think the ending of this movie is fucking psychotic why does it end with the tv interview and with them on that plane i could not tell you for a moment why the movie ends the way it does it's, it's a lot it's a lot to take. It's in. a lot, guys. It it cuts between the the conversation on the TV about what happened mm-hmm. and and planes taking off. And I cannot <laughs> for the life of me understand why. I just feel like he needed an extra like two minutes at the end or something. I just don't know. It's weird. Otherwise though, I think a lot of it kind of like works together, mm-hmm. but the way it's filmed is very interpretive. It's very and, and again, you get a lot of that POV of the killer. And you get a lot, a lot of, like, of dimly lit spaces. You get a lot of, like, claustrophobic yep. set pieces. And um, it's it's very much like the changing of the angle determines the direction of the eye. But it could all be the same thing, I found, in this movie. Like, right. A lot of the stuff with, like, the under-the-catch stuff. And is it was, it was I, I mean, to be fair. Again, the visual aesthetic of this movie was the strongest thing for me. That's the thing that I responded to the most. And uh, I did like a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you on that one for sure. I think it's visually stunning. I also just find the whole vibe of it very mesmerizing. I get very mm. pulled in by this movie. This is the third time I've watched it. I saw it at the, at the triple feature, and then mm. I saw it at home one time. And that's it until for this podcast and so i actually busted open my blu-ray so i could watch it uh although the quality of my blu-ray was not great i might get the special one from arrow because mm. i got a one that was around before arrow released their like special edition so we'll see mm-hmm. but uh you know it it, it 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 was still i don't know something about it just kind of pulls me in i think of the the three animal trilogy i actually like this one and the last one for flies on gray velvet the most i think the middle one it's a little it feels a little cat of nine tails feels a little bit like trying to recreate bird with crystal plumage in a way mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. whereas four flies on gray velvet has a little bit more of the like 
mystery of it all, a little bit more of the like weirdness that we would come to associate with Argento. But mm. at least that's my memory. I need to rewatch all the other two as well. But um, yeah, I just think there's something very compelling here, and I think it works as just like a fun action film. It has mm. obviously antecedents that would become horror tropes in some ways but it it's not terrifying to me it's not menacing to me the way that a lot of argento stuff would be later you know yeah. this is not suspiria or inferno yeah. which is pure nightmare fuel and if you don't feel that way you're a monster yeah you must like, have seen some horrible things in your life if you don't, yeah those yeah. things don't fuck with you but this yeah, movie, you're but right this movie is a lot more rote in terms of like oh this is like uh yeah action movie is actually a good descriptor um, I do think like the the funny touches though, like you said, the the painting. But when like the killer guy with the yellow jacket and he goes to the convention and all the people are wearing the yellow jacket with the blue hat, like that yep. shit is awesome. Um, there's a lot of like touches like that throughout this movie that make it just lighten the air a little bit. The informant guy who's like, I don't know anything. I'll see you tomorrow <laughs> yeah. with the information. <laughs> yeah, genius, brilliant. The, what did yeah. you think about the relationship with the writer guy and the girl, like uh, the one who gets tied up at the end and all that stuff? The, the when they're living in the apartment together and all that stuff. What did you think about all that? I mean, I liked it. I don't think that Argento in this particular film seems too interested in flushing that out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It, he's so focused on the dude, on our main character, uh, that she basically exists just to be a foil for him mm-hmm. and to be terrified later. But she doesn't have as much meat, you know? Or and I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't yeah. really have much to do other than be scared yeah. at the end. Which and I don't think that's on him. Like, my initial response, if I'd only seen this movie, would be, oh, he doesn't care about female characters. But that clearly isn't true because of Suspiria, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I would even say the sort of quote-unquote girl friday character in deep red is hugely important for that movie and is very compelling so i you know this is his first movie and i just think he underwrote that character even if the actress who plays her i think is very good Mm. she's just not given a lot to do yeah i would agree with that i would definitely agree with that but i think it's hard i think watching this film it'd be easy to say oh well this is just more of the sort of misogyny that goes on only it, that's all flipped on its head with the big reveal that the killer it, it is, is the wife. Yeah, is the wife, and that, um, and that her killing is motivated by this trauma. It's it's sort of a different take. I wouldn't say it's a feminist take or anything crazy like that, but <laughs> I w- but I do think it's not what you would expect from these sorts of movies. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and is refreshing for that. You know, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I do kind of wish there was some stronger female characters. Uh, but it you know it is what it is. Mm. I agree. I agree. I do like the urbanness of it. I like that we're in a city and that that city is part of it. Like even like the idea that where he lives is this older building that's going to be condemned. Like mm. there's just a lot of like gritty detail to it. And I think that's in contrast to our next movie, which we can, uh, we can start talking about if you want, unless you have anything yeah, else to sure. say about it. No, that no, let's do it. The, all the colors of the dark. All the Colors of the Dark is Sergio Martino. He's known for doing a lot of his gialli are set among the rich. He His insight was, why are all these murder mysteries set among poor people in cities? Rich people also murder a lot. So <laughs> I'm just going to make my movies be like rich people movies because I like international mysteries like Bond movies. So I just want to feature fancy shit because I like fancy shit and because... 
you know, rich people are also immoral, so that's also <laughs> a good place to set an immoral movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. it. That was all. That was his only real insight when it came to these kind of movies. Uh, but I think he did a lot of work with like characters and how he represented those characters and what was going on and all that stuff. But mm. before we get into all that, let's just start with Josh. You never seen this movie before? Yeah, I don't this think was seen a, a first time watch for me. And, and I think Torso is the only Sergio Martino movie you'd ever seen, right? I believe so, yes. Which one was Torso yeah. again? Torso was uh, with the book? Um, it's the one with the guy has a baklava on and he's got a hacksaw. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a moment where, because there's four women in the house at the end, and there's one he doesn't kill, and he's like, because you're better than them. They're just dolls of flesh and blood. And then she gets, she's like, obviously not stoked with that. And then it becomes like a fight between her and the killer dude for the rest of the movie. Mm. The whole last like 20 minutes of the movie are silent as she tries to like kill the killer. Yeah. Yes, I did really see that good. one. It's I did really like good. that one a lot. Yes. Yeah. But uh, So what did you think of this movie? I really enjoyed, because this movie, uh, I just, I mean, it compares to Bird with Crystal Plumage in a way that is more of a, a nightmarish arabesque to me. You know what I mean? I felt this one was, I mean, it had a lot of the dream sequences and it had a lot of like the weird, just weird shit in it. And um, I found that this was a lot closer to the Italian horror movies that I know and love. So this one was a little bit more um, familiar. For me, if that makes any sense. Mm, yeah, I hear you. Um, in, in terms of feeling, in terms of feeling, um, I again, this is also like rife with these weird like depictions of of sex and relationship with um, the lady and the husband, and you know, um, with like the miscarriage and all that stuff. But um, I thought that this movie overall was uh, very entertaining, and I enjoyed it. It definitely made me feel like. Maybe I don't hate giallos, you know what I mean? Because by this point, I was just like, I'm 100% in on this movie. Well, my feeling on that is, on one hand, I think that this is a classic movie of the genre. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's a bit of an innovation in that it's clearly influenced by the satanic possession movies of the time. And so it works in a bunch of Satan shit into a genre that doesn't really have usually a bunch of Satan shit. But I think that innovation really works. I love Satan shit and I love the way the cult leader looks in this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, I agree. It's so great. He looks so, like... Like how you would imagine, like a late night TV commercial on USA uh, for a satanic cult guy would look like. Well, and I've I've talked about this on horror business, but I, it's worth bringing up here. My favorite kind of Satan shit is the rich people are all in league with Satan. You can't trust them. Satan yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. But I also like how the Satan shit in this movie is still within the realms of Gialli because it's not actually supernatural, right? Yeah, it it's all about like manipulation. There's, any, there's no ethereal actually goings on. No. It's like nobody mysteriously no. succumbs to any type of like right. demonic or satanic. It's just a bunch of rich white people being weird. Well, and, <laughs> and like and fucking. And they're carnies. Like that's the other. Th- they're con artists. Like yeah, that's the yeah, other yeah, yeah, aspect yeah. of it, which I don't think in a lot of these Satan movies, which you get. Even if there's no Satan, you still get devoted people, people who are true believers. Uh-huh. And the fact that this movie has all this mystery and shit going on, and then at the end it's like, oh, no, they're just rip-off artists. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. love that as the big reveal of these are people who are just trying to like con other people out of money, and they don't really give a shit. It was so – I just thought that was so tasty at the yeah. end, yeah, considering yeah, yeah. the agree. amount of like – 
psychotic mystery going in. So, okay, for those of you who have not seen this movie, this is an Edwidge Fennec movie, which is worth mentioning because she is sort of like the scream queen of Gialli. She wasn't in as many as I think people think she was. She did a lot of other kind of films too, but mm. she is like the like beautiful Italian genre princess. You know, yeah, this like dark-haired beauty with gigantic eyes. Oh yeah, and a lot of movies. Uh, I think underutilize her. Uh, I think people appreciate the way she's utilized because she gets naked a lot. But <laughs> I don't think that's her. I think she's actually a pretty good actress. And anyone yeah. who's seen Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, that's one of the few movies where she really gets to like expand what she does a little bit. But in this movie, it's a little more standard damsel in distress, but she's still very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea is um, she, uh, she has this trauma from seeing her mom... Murdered. murdered when she was like five and, right right and she yeah. starts to see the man who she believes murdered her mom around and it's unclear if he's really around or whether she's hallucinating and so her husband is away a lot and so she's very alone and having these freakouts. and she makes friends with a local woman uh, who lives who like lives in upstairs her building. in her building yeah. and this woman brings her to this what she sort of builds as a self-help group but really is an awful satanic cult that then murders her friend and replaces her with a friend and wants her to be part of these fucked up sex rituals and blood drinking and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then from there, it gets even more weird. (laughs) And then from there, it goes off the rails. (laughs) It's crazy. It's a crazy film. It is, like you said, a ton of nightmare imagery, just over the top, just all kinds of weird symbolism and strange rituals and people in costumes sacrificing things and sex cult and her mistaking everyone for this dude but then the dude actually existing yeah. and, and he's got uh, all kinds blue eyes oh yeah and red herrings out the kazoo at, at one point i thought the doctor was in on it yeah at yeah, another yeah, point yeah. i thought the husband was in on it the big reveal is that the sister is in on it and the sisters is in on it because of jealousy of all yeah. things. Of all things, the sisters in cahoots, and the doctor has nothing to do with it. <laughs> nothing to do with it, which I was very surprised at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's never clear like what's real. I, there's a big sort of reveal at the end, you know. But even mm-hmm. once the reveal happens, there's still a lot. There's still to a figure lot out. left to the like. Is that psychosis or not? Is she crazy or not? And it is a very, it's so Italian, the movie, but it's set in London and all this stuff is happening in London. It's a very London movie. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like a London movie at all. Right. It feels like a, like this is the Italian countryside. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so I think in comparison with Bird of Crystal Plumage, I, I think Martino is less of a auteur. He does a lot less crazy stuff than, Ar- than Argento does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Argento is pushing the envelope visually a lot more, mm-hmm. has a much stronger style. I mean, this is his first movie. We know it's going to get more than this. But even in his first movie, there's so much Argento here. Martino, he's he's in it. He's been directing for a while at this point. He's a longtime director. But there are a few weird things. I mean, he does a lot of intense close-ups. There's a mm-hmm. lot of, like, crazy close-ups. Yeah. Uh, he really likes low angles with a fisheye lens. He likes mm-hmm. to use that a lot. And just his use of of it not being clear what's real and what's not, and and the the extent to which he's willing to push us 
into her, possibly her craziness mm-hmm. was really compelling to me. I thought it really worked really well. Brought up by, you know, this is a, as I said, Edward Fennick and George, uh, I think his last name is Hamilton, is, the, is her husband. Mm-hmm. But they were sort of a classic Gialli couple. Very much their performances helped carry the movie, as well as just the creepiness of the cult people. Like yeah. that, all those cult, it's so fucked up. The cult stuff is really funny. I mean, like, there's a lot of sequences where, like, culty shit's happening, and the cult followers are all standing around in robes, and they achieve this, like, undulating as though they're standing on the bridge of a ship at sea motion. And it's uh, every time that that happens in the movie, it made me, like, ha 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 ha. Like, I, I really like that whole idea of this communal breathing <laughs> that causes agreed, uniform agreed. undulation amongst their semi-nude ranks. I like well, that and there's also there's also a suggestion that all of them get life and vitality from basically uh, fucking an unwilling Edwidge Fennec. Yeah. Uh, not in like a super violent scene. Like, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think... I mean, I think there's definitely a trigger warning on every Gialli ever made. Yeah. But I don't think this is, like, the worst thing you've ever seen. But it's pretty clear that, though, she's kind of drugged, so maybe she isn't, like, you know, fully running away. She's certainly not into what's happening in this weird cult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it is. there is a bit of a victimization here, but it's certainly done with a lot more... Considering the genre, I think it's actually handled in a way that is both tasteful and fucked up mm-hmm. it wants you to know that this is bad but it doesn't want to just horrify you with how bad it is which is i think very different from say torso which is very much like not necessarily in the sexual violence but in the violence violence torso is like i'm trying to upset you as much as possible yeah like yeah, yeah. It, it this is a in lot a way, more uh, subtly handed in yes, how it's yes, trying yes. to disturb you and i would say you know if you've seen Martino's other films. This film is also him, I think, borrowing from Hammer Horror. There's so much Hammer light, or I, I don't want to say light because I think it's darker than Hammer, but there's so much Hammer-like stuff here. There's there's stuff that reminds you of Hammer films you've seen, only Italian and sexier. <laughs> Italian and sexier in London. Yes, yes, <laughs> which is so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, it's so strange. But... Yeah, I thought, I mean, I really liked, uh, uh, one of the main set pieces that I really enjoyed was the whole elevator sequence stuff at the end. When um, I agree, I when, agree. Yeah, that whole sequence of her being scared and, like, seeing, like, the husband getting killed, but then he's not dead and all this other stuff is just like, whoa, that shit is, it looks way cool. Well, and it, it and does sort of tie into, there, there's no Satan in this movie, but there is, this is one of those classic moments where there's always a hint, I, I say always, there are plenty of Gialli that do not fit this, but of the Gialli I've seen, there's often a hint of ESP, supernatural, yeah, foresight of some stuff, sort. Yeah, foresight, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe it's just fate, you know, you're seeing what's going to happen to you in, in the fates or whatever, but she dreams a weird version of what actually ends up happening. And it's really cool. It works really well. It's not corny at all. And it really made that section kind of tense in a way that I wasn't expecting. Mm, I would agree. It is definitely like, Oh my God. Like there's a, a a breath holding aura of that whole thing that despite the, uh, the premonition, premonition kind dreamy stuff, I was still just like, Oh my God, still holding my breath, you know? 
I gotta think, say, like I think I might ahead. have enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I don't know that I can go that far for me, just because I really love Bird with Crystal Plumage. It's actually at this point, and there are still Argento I have not seen, mm. but at this point, it is my third favorite Argento film, behind Suspiria and Deep Red. Deep Red. I actually Suspiria. If I'm being quite honest, as of my last viewing of Deep Red, it is tied with Suspiria for my favorite Argento film. Wow. I think Deep Red, even though people love it, I still kind of feel like it gets underrated by folks who prefer supernatural Argento. Mm. For me, I just think Deep Red is like the perfect melding of his weird style with his Gialli mm. style. You know what I mean? Um, but But like, I love Deep Red, I love Suspiria, and I love Bird with Crystal Plumage. After that, I think I would go like Inferno, mm-hmm. the church, and then maybe like Four Flies on Gravel. Did you just say the church? Yeah, that's not an Argento film. Who did that? Why did I think that was an Argento film? Opera. Because yeah, you I'm don't. thinking about opera. Sorry. Oh yeah, you are thinking about opera. Opera. I also very much enjoy. I like opera and Tenebrae. Yeah. But I don't think I like them as much as Four Flies on Grey Velvet. I don't think. Mm. But it's been a while since I've watched them. I like Inferno. I like. Uh, well, I certainly don't really like Mother of Tears. I think no, that's, that's a horrible movie. Yeah, wow, what a piece of shit. But that you was. know, I, I, but I do think Phenomena is kind of underrated as an '80s Argento. Yeah, with, Jennifer uh, Connelly and Donald Pleasant. I think she's. she's yeah, great. I think they're both good in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, 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 I really love Barbara Crystal Plumage, and maybe it's because I've come to appreciate the genre, and mm. I think it is like sort of the epitome of a lot of aspects of the genre, but I. All that to say, that doesn't mean I don't love all the colors of the dark. Like, if you haven't given all the colors of the dark a chance, I'm sure we have some listeners who have only dipped a toe into these sorts of movies. Mm. It is really compelling, especially if you like, you know, it's got all this murder mystery shit going on, but then it's also a weird Satan cult movie with, like, a sex cult aspect to it. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's very. it it definitely echoes uh, Rosemary's Baby in that regard without the actual devil bit <laughs> in there. That's true. That is sort of the what sets Rosemary's baby apart in <laughs> yeah, a lot the, of ways. The devil's this actually actual in devil. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So um yeah, but I think this movie I, I like the imagery of the cult and mm-hmm. all their symbols. Uh but you know, I gotta I gotta give a ton of respect to Edwidge Ed Edwidge Fennick, who is the star of the film. You if, if you've if you've seen any photos of like classic Italian actresses, she's probably one of the people mm. that gets highlighted a lot. Uh, yes, she's beautiful and all that stuff. Sure, 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 whatever. I don't care about that. What I care about is, I think she's compelling in most things I've seen her in. Even though I think in this this particular role is a little underwritten. She's mostly mm. there to be hysterical Scared. and yeah. compelling. But god damn, is she good at that? She's yeah. so good at that. I would um, agree. And, and I would say, if you like all the colors of the dark, I'd recommend uh, your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. It's a little more nightmarish. It's a little more uh, cynical. Mm. But I think it's also innovative. And I think her role in it is completely unexpected. And I, and I, and I really liked it. So, um, you know, all I can say is you should watch this movie. You should watch other Sergio Martino movies. And I think in the future, we could cover more Gialli, I'd love for us. Yeah, I'm down to, do to this see again. more. I'm really, I mean, like honestly, preparing for this episode, I was really like, 
maybe I have to figure out my relationship with Gialli because I like this a lot more than I remember liking Gialli in general. So I'm more than willing to dive further into this Gialli um, wormhole. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, I'm a little further than you, but I'll be honest. I'm no expert. Like we, you know, as we, we already cited friend of the show, Sam Deegan, she's probably seen every single one as far as I know. Yeah. She's probably seen every single German crimi film as well. Uh, or the Italian polizzi movies, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, that's what I love is how these, uh, let's talk about the names of these genres real quick. Giallo, yellow, crimi, <laughs> crime. It's just German for crime. Uh, Polizzi, it's just Italian for police. But these are like full genres of film because they were just a way to describe like a, a, a general trend in filmmaking. So, you know, while the giallo is focused on murderers, there's all these what I would call crime films that in Italy they call them police movies. Mm. And uh, they're so stark and fucked up, man. Like they're really good, <laughs> but they're, they're depressing too. But anyways. That is my shit. All that, all that to say... We're going to cover this again, but not right away. We're going to do some other stuff first. I think we should probably have a guest on our next episode, but you'll have to pay attention, y'all, to know who it is because we haven't decided on anyone yet. So dun, dun, dun. But, we'll let you, but we'll let you know. <laughs> it, might be, it might be Doug Tilly. Who knows? It he's, might be he, a first-person perspective on. of the killer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, I like this movie. This movie didn't really use that effect as much, but it still was very effective because the focus was on her mm. and her perspective, which was fucking you up. Because who knows what was real from what she was seeing, you know? Right, right. Yes, absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, I'm glad we, we covered this. I'm really stoked on this, and I hope we get to do more of these kind of movies in the future. Yeah, I'm into it, man. This was a big, fun watch for me. All right, y'all. Well, hey. Check us out on social media, please. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Cinepunks. Yeah. Check out some of the other shows on the network. And don't uh, forget rate, to rate, review, and subscribe. And subscribe. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, almost yeah, yeah, unison. Yeah. Almost. Almost. You can follow Josh on Twitter at uh, PogeyFatBoy. Mm-hmm. And Liam is on Twitter. at Liam Rules. R-U-L-Z. Yep. Uh, and, you know, really all we want from y'all, it's not even just supporting us on Patreon or anything like that. Tell people about the show, man. Like we're we're trying to get our numbers up. We want this show to grow because the more that this show and the other shows grow, the more that we'll get attention and we can uh, really sort of grow the organization. Because eventually, what we want to do is give people money for their work. That's the long term goal. It's not for anyone to quit their job per se, but uh, but if the Patreon grows, then we can start paying people to write for the site paying people for the podcast they do that's the hope that's and the that hope is that dope. we can get that sort of money in yeah and Again, hope is dope I, yeah yeah that's true hope is dope <laughs> <laughs> all right well josh i'm just glad i got to talk to you again yeah buddy. man i'm glad to talk to you too liam because i miss you but you know you're never that far away because you're always in my heart and um i realize after this episode it's always just going to be me and liam talking about movies and i love that shit. it's true even even when all of you stop listening and there are there isn't even a platform for podcasts anymore, we're still going to keep talking about movies. That's what it is. All right. That's it. Episode 117. Done yep. and done. Yep. We'll talk to you guys later. Smoke talk to you bomb. Soon. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love horror business. The horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. 
My name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.